Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have another Sunday night, Monday morning episode coming at you with your normal Sunday night, Monday morning crew. My name is Patrick. I'm here with John and Derek and Luke. And we are, as always, going to talk all the things we talk about on Sunday nights and Monday mornings, Red Sox, Yankees. And what makes this episode very special is we have now seen some baseball games from these teams. It's been a very long time. We've seen some spring training games. And boy, has there been a lot going around Um in the baseball world over the past couple of weeks, not only, uh, you know, baseball, Twitter, spring training opinions, and plenty of uh, stuff going back and forth between um, all the guys on this show. So we have lots to talk about tonight. We're going to jump right into it. But first, I want to hear everybody's first pitch, hear what they're up to, and uh, catch up with them as we always do. Luke, I'll go to you first. Uh, what's going on with you? And uh, give me your first pitch. Uh, just chilling. I just met baby Leo Moransky this morning, uh, yesterday afternoon, John's little baby boy. Um, he is, uh, he's adorable. He looks nothing like John, um, which is just, you know, great for him. Thank goodness for him. Um, and I (laughs) forgot to bring the Red Sox onesie. So I was not able to baptize him uh, as a Red Sox fan, which is unfortunate, but I did want to touch on before we get into the the crux of the show, the pitch clock. The pitch clock is a good thing. Social media is going crazy, thinking that that uh, every other batter is going to be called out because they're taking eight nine seconds to get set and look at the pitcher in the batter's box uh, when they first get in the box. It's and not Luke gonna is going like... to save the rest of his opinions for later on in the show. <laughs> That's what happens when I hit these guys with a surprise topic, and he already figured out what it was. Okay, never mind. That was that was that was all I had to say about that. Who's one next? of many surprise topics coming up <laughs> later in our fair or foul segment? Uh, Derek, what's up with you? Uh, not much, honestly. I, I I feel like I never have anything going on. Like I never have anything exciting or anything going on. I'm just. Do you have some chocolate milk nearby? No, I actually don't. Um, well, then that's all I have to say to you. All right, John, what's up with <laughs> no. you? Give me your first pitch. I know you got the baby. How's it going? It's going good. So, yeah, like you said, Luke came by yesterday and hung out with his daughter, Charlie. Our kids played together. Um, and, yeah, Luke talks a big game, but he also knows that I had a loaded 45 in case he even thought about trying to baptize my baby in Yankees gear. Like that or in uh, Red Sox gear, that was not happening. Um, this kid is going to be a Yankees fan. Nice try, Luke. Um, but overall, yeah, it was good. It was good. And despite the great afternoon we had and 
um, everything. I have to go still charge the mound on some of the things that Luke said. Are we charging the mound, Pat, or are you going to tell us your first pitch? No, I got nothing going on. So go ahead. Perfect transition. All right. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, um, Luke was a guest on the Wednesday um, drop of the podcast. Uh, it was a very interesting episode. I strongly recommend anybody listen to it. If you're a Yankees fan, you're going to want to listen and be like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Educational. Um, it was an educational episode for yeah, all Yankee fans. Educational. Yeah, this is how not to think about baseball. Um, it, it was something else. There's a lot of takes I strongly disagreed with very strongly. So I have to feel like I have to uh, address a, a few of them here. And I want to give Barnes credit who did his best to keep this on track. But man, it was something else. Um, the whole... Yankees as the biggest underachievers of the season. Like, look, Yankees are the second best team in the AL. Uh, the worst at worst, they're probably going to be third or fourth. Like, I mean, how much of an underachiever can that, can that be? And then to follow it up with the Red Sox are going to be the biggest overachievers of the season. Um, the new rules are going to apply to everybody. It's not just the Red Sox that are going to benefit from these rules. Like, offense is going to be up across the board. And the Red Sox, um, it's not so much about scoring runs. It's going to be how many runs they give up. You're relying on starting pitching to question the Radon and the fifth starter with the injuries. The, and where's your starting rotation is, you know, Chris Sale, a 37-year-old, uh, Corey Kluber, James Paxton, who's never pitched a full season in his career. Um, it, it's... I, I don't see how that team could possibly overachieve. Uh, their biggest free agent signings was a bunch of old guys that are probably going to break down. Um, like I said, pitchers that aren't throwing, pitching a lot of innings. Uh, Kluber only averaged five innings a start uh, last season. But all that being said, the one that really I just I had a it made me laugh was the whole Kike Hernandez is the leader of the Red Sox taking on a leadership role with the Red Sox. This guy is a C-level player on his best day. Some mediocre nobody. Like, how is he going to approach guys that are better than him and get on them to chew them out to, like, stay motivated? Like, he's going to go up to Rafi Devers and be like, look, Rafi, you know, you got to start eating right. Maybe hit the gym a little bit. Rafi Devers is going to be like, look, I make $30 million a year. I don't know who you are. Like, get out of here. Like, you can't have some mid-level guy as your leader. And if Rafi's too aloof to be the leader, like that's a good sign. Um, and then again, with the, um, I'll see if my Justin Cass's comments for later, but Kike Hernandez as the leader, your team's in trouble for a lot of reasons. And that's just another one. John Castiglione over here. So it's the, the point is you don't, I don't know what that means. Exactly. 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 I should just rest my case there, but I'll just sum up really quick. You don't have to be an all a 10 time all-star to be a leader in the club. Kevin Millar was a clubhouse leader in the 2000, maybe the best Red Sox team of all time. Veritek was a clubhouse leader and Millar was a lieutenant. There's a huge difference. Well, oh, geez, the Yankee fan knows exactly the, the chain of command in the Red Sox locker room oh, back when he was wasn't the leader of those teams. Huh? Veritek wasn't the leader of those teams. Right. We're talking about the he was the captain. Leader. 
the guy who's talking, who's doing all the talking and stuff. He's been, he was on the, those Dodgers teams. He's been in seven, he's been in the league 10 years. He's been in the postseason seven times. He won a, well, a fake championship, but, and he went on maybe the best uh, postseason run uh, anybody's seen in the last 10 years uh, from anybody offensively. So he's got the cash and that he can, he can go up to anybody and talk about how, you know, they're approaching the game. He's a, the guy, the guy came, got signed by the Red Sox to play second base, moved to center field, became one of the best center fielders in the league. And now he's playing shortstop due to injury. The guy, he, he has earned the right to talk to anybody in that locker room, uh, however he sees fit. So, and that's clear. That's clear to anybody who's been paying attention, except the one Red Sox uh, report beat reporter that was looking to get clicks saying, Oh geez, uh, he hasn't made any all-star appearances. Like you think the locker room leaders in in every clubhouse have all been to 10 all-star games. That's not the way it is. He is a mid-level player. You need he, yeah. You can be a leader, but you can't be the leader. Like if Rafi Devers is too aloof, like then that's a problem. Like Kike Hernandez, like who is he? Nobody who makes more money or is who is better than him. Who is he? He's, the guy. he's the guy who contributed more in the 2021 postseason than Aaron Judge has in his entire postseason career, times like 30. And That's how many of those is. guys got traded away? How many of those guys are even still on the team anymore from that team? For, that's great. He had a wonderful run to the ALCS where they lost. So, I'll, oh, yeah, Aaron Judge. But Keegan Hernandez, he didn't get them past. Like, how? Oh, that's good. He had a good run, but it didn't, they didn't win anything. The guy is a middle, mid-level player. That's great. They had a little postseason run. He's but got a ring. He's going to show up every single day. And guys that are better than him are going to listen to him if he starts chewing them out. That's not going to happen. got a ring. How yeah, I'd love to see him go up to Raffy Devers and say, you know, no, you need to play. You need to eat right, Raffy. Go hit the gym, Raffy. Devers isn't going to listen to him. And other players are going to see that, too. He's got a ring. How many players in the Yankees' entire team have a ring? Well, I mean, Rizzo has one at least. So there's know. one. I don't care what they <laughs> Of course. Like, of he didn't, course. They didn't win All right, guys. Us. We're he, done. He, We're done. did not win a ring with the Red Sox. We're done. We're done. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Go back to your corners. Rizzo didn't win a ring with the Yankees. Right. We're done. I was the one who brought it up. You asked. All right. All right. Because the, the reason why I decided to cut you short is um, not only are you annoying uh, Derek and I, but also because um, you're going to have plenty of talk about in our next segment where you can continue this ridiculous conversation because um, an ongoing sort of uh, measure of debate uh, amongst the Bleacher Brawls crew over the past couple of weeks has this has been this idea of the core four. OK, we all know the core four from the Yankees back in the day, and uh, Luke wrote a column on BleacherBrawls.com last week, Luke, uh, detailing who the core four for the 2023 Red Sox will be, um, ribbing a little bit on some of the Yankees guys. That conversation carried over into the midweek show, and now that conversation is carrying over into our Sunday night show um, because we're going to do what we're going to call the DIY core four. Um, Luke, I'm going to let you explain uh, your idea for the DIY core four since this whole mess is your fault to begin with. And then I'll let you uh, go ahead and tell us your your team. 
So it's every, I think, I feel like every team, every championship team or every, even every really good team through history, you could trace back and you could find four, maybe five, uh, guys that were the most integral integral parts of the team the yankees have their fabled core four uh for those four championships that they won between 1996 and 2000 they they picked they picked three of the right guys and one guy that doesn't belong there at all but we'll save that for another we'll save that for another day we'll save that for another day argue with you you just explain it without starting an argument god is that too much We'll save that for another day. Um, but, you know, with every championship team, I feel like you can you can come down to a core four. Who is the heart and soul of the team? Who are the four key players in terms of on-field performance and leadership uh, in the lo- in the locker room and on the field? So, you know, like like that, those Yankees teams, they had Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and Bernie Williams. Yankee fans are idiots, so they they replace Williams with Jorge Posada, but we'll again we'll leave that for another day. So my the so the idea behind the DIY core four is pick a core four, pick your ideal core four from any era. You can pick any player from any team, but they all had to have played in the same era. So we're each going to go around and pick our core four from whichever era we choose to take them from. Okay, great. And I'm going to go first because as the host of the show, I can pick myself and I don't want anybody else taking mine because I don't have a backup. Okay. So my core four, I'm going to go uh, the core four of my childhood. Okay. So this is not necessarily the like. They so we're, we're talking all... like the thirties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tris speaker. <laughs> young. Uh, no, uh, we're talking about, I guess not necessarily childhood. I guess I was like a preteen or whatever but these are the guys that like got me into baseball um these were like my red Sox guys and so if we're gonna go for the core four with with the yankees of a catcher uh a center fielder a lefty starter and a lights out closer we're looking at jason veritek jacoby ellsbury john lester and jonathan papelbon that was my like the I mean the the four personalities, four great players, um, four players that um, might not necessarily have always been on at the same time. I don't know if they were the core four in the same way that those Yankees guys were winning championships and having career seasons all at the same time. But like when I think of my early days as a Red Sox fan, that's what I'm thinking of. So you're picking all players from the same team. Yeah. That's oh, we okay. had to, right? No, we didn't. That wasn't, oh, that wasn't well, what I, well, I was went that, first. Who cares? <laughs> was that not what people understood? That was my bad. If that's well, the case. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you're saying that they could be from four different teams. Yes. Uh, why would we do that? Didn't I, I don't know. We just thought, <laughs> just. John, Wait, you go you, next. Did, I'm trying John to hear and Derek, talk. Did you, were you under that, not <laughs> under that assumption? I understood it. I understood it. I understand what Luke meant, but I kind of went for guys who are on the same team anyways, just yeah. because I felt it yeah. makes sense. I mean, like, okay, whatever. But I have a reason besides they were just on the same team. I have another reason as why I picked them. Okay. Right, Derek, go ahead. 
All right. So actually, I'll kind of list. I had some names that kind of just missed the list um, because I, I like Clay Buckles just missed my list. Justin Masterson, I was looking at the minor league system on point. Guys like Justin Masterson, Daniel Bard, and all these guys. I know Masterson didn't win World Series threats us, but I'm just kind of naming the minor league guys that were in the system around the 06, 07 years. And the guys who kind of came to my head, uh, my core four, I'm going with Ellsbury. I'm going with Dustin Pedroia. I'm going with John Lester. And I was going to pick Papelbon, so I'm kind of on the spot now. But I'll make a fun pick. I'll pick Jed Lowry just because I like him. Just because I like him. I was going right. to pick Papelbon, but I didn't want to have three of the four same guys. And this is why I went first, okay, <laughs> to steal them from you. There's a good list. I, I could have like... picked Daniel Bard or someone like that, but I don't know. Or I could have picked Josh Reddick, too. Brandon Moss was a part of the 07 team. They all came up through the minors together. So yeah. Brandon Moss. Yeah. You would have been Brandon Moss. I don't know if I'd go no, I wasn't gonna, Brandon Moss. I wasn't gonna pick him. But I like the like, shout he, out. <laughs> yeah, shout out. All right, John, we'll go to you next. All right. My list is Derek Jeter, Mariana Rivera, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit. And now if I wasn't being forced <laughs> to make a point and have to answer like that. My other list was Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, and Paul O'Neill. I just think it is four players you'd start a team around. And from the 90s, Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, and Paul O'Neill would be my list. So you was my real list now because I was put in a position where it had to be. So you disrespected Bernie Williams too. You love Bernie Williams, but he's not good enough to be in your, your core, core four. Well, I already have a center fielder in Ken Griffey Jr. So no, the first one, the Yankee one. I said that. I said. Oh, you did. He listed all five guys. Who'd you leave out? He didn't. He listed all five of them. Oh, he listed all five of them. Okay, I missed that. All right. It was as Barnes calls them the Fab Five on the The Fab Five. (laughs) All right, Luke. This uh, you you wrap us up here. That's that's a big issue that it's everybody calls it the core four and everyone leaves out maybe the best offensive it's player. It's not on- everyone. It's like the New York Post, the Daily News started that in 2009. And it they don't really even use it anymore. You use it more than any. Speak Yankees. for you. Yankees fans are like, this is stupid. Bernie Williams mm-hmm. should be in there. And even Michael Kay, who is Yankee boy, Yankees like lead play-by-play announcer, goes on his radio show that's simulcast on Yes and says, Core four is stupid. Nobody should ever use that. Yankee fans do not use core four. Luke uses core four and uses it to say, oh, this is why I don't like Yankee fans, even though they don't actually say this. It's like Hunter Renfro is a bad teammate. Like, yeah, like I'm just going to make something up and stick to it. That's true. And to sum up John's thoughts, Yankee fans are stupid. So look, if we're going to talk about, so there was clearly a little bit lost in translation here. So, all right. If we're going to go core four from the same team, like my team. So I would obviously go with the Oh four core four, the Pedro Martinez, Kurt Schilling, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, the team that broke the curse, maybe the best baseball team ever assembled. Um, So if we're going to go uh, the idea, when I came up with the idea, it was pick any players from any team, but they have to play in the same era. So my core four is going to blow. I think when you away. said from any team, I thought like it doesn't have to be the Red Sox or the Yankees. Yeah. This is why every conversation everybody has should be face to face because texting sucks. Um, but 
anyway, so what I had was Greg Maddox. So I'm going from my teen, my early teen years. So I got Greg Maddox. I got Ken Griffey Jr. I got Frank Thomas. And then I got Trevor Hoffman as the uh, closer. So my core four would blow everybody else's away, uh, including John's because John, John picked a, an all MLB team kind of thing, but um, you know, Barry Bond, uh, Barry Bonds, you know, he's not a team player. He's, he's a me, he's a me player. He's not, he's not playing unless he himself is getting the spotlight and world series were not his objective. Yeah, but Derek, they got Derek Jr. and Paul O'Neill and Ken Griffey Jr. They're all good teammates. Like, and this was Ken Griffey Jr. before falling asleep in the clubhouse, like when he was still the kid. I didn't and even Derek think about Bond, Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill isn't in the core four either. Yankee fans are complete buffoons. Oh, well, Paul O'Neill served with the Reds. You don't remember him winning World Series in 1991? Right, but he's not in the core four. Well, he's not. He didn't come up through the Yankees. Those are all guys that came up through the Yankees. And they, you know, and the other thing being like Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill weren't there in 2009, which is why like they started saying that, but everybody thinks it's stupid. So, I mean, this is all like, this is all on you making this up and putting words in my mouth. But. Yankee fans all are right, just so- chuffed with themselves for actually developing minor league talent one time in the once. 1990s. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, here we go. I'm sorry that we don't have a bunch of first base prospects right now like you guys. <laughs> Oh, Bobby Dalbach stinks. So let's get Tristan Cassis sunbathing in the outfield so you can get yelled at by pitchers. And oh, when he stinks, you got that Greek kid coming out. And nobody else, your pitching prospects stink. Bayo, Tommy John, Winkowski, trash. Curtis Crawford, worthless. All right, my future's looking brighter than yours. Yankee fans. You can't, you can't talk about call, our pitching prospects and John not even name our all top of you three pitching prospects. John just called <laughs> all Yankee fans stupid. All right, we're moving on. We're moving I, will, on. I will go to bat on Red Sox pitching prospects. I hope That's for another day. The we know people you listening are enjoying the Red Sox show right now. The Tacky Yankee show. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk some Yankees then. We'll move some things around, John. And because uh, what we're gonna do is uh we're gonna do a little inside the numbers, okay? Because both teams have some interesting um upcoming contract situations. Uh regarding outfielders, right? We have uh, Harrison Bader, who the Yankees traded for uh, in the uh, middle of last year at the trade deadline and who they're looking to be perhaps their leadoff hitter, their center fielder. So Aaron Judge can save his knees a little bit and move to first base, right? And then you have um, Alex Verdugo, who has um, talked a little bit about wanting a contract extension in Boston. So we're going to talk about what both guys, uh, if, if you want to keep them or not, what you would give them things like that. Um, John, we'll start with you so you can um, talk about your team. Okay. Harrison Bader, free agent at the end of this year. Um, What is this year going to tell you? And um, do you want Bader past 2023? Can you talk about this without yelling? That's what I want to know. Can you not pick a fight with me? This is three against one. Well, really two against one, Derek. You're cool. (laughs) Uh, Um. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, I like Harrison Bader in his short stint we've seen so far. Uh, he played really well. Like once he finally made it, you know, off his uh, foot injury, played well in the playoffs. A lot of heart, fantastic center fielder. So I mean, yeah, I'd like to resign him, but I also like to see an entire season out of him to see what he really is. 
uh, see how healed that foot really is. Can he hit leadoff? Can he be one of those guys that comes back to New York? I know it's his favorite team, uh, his hometown, but, you know, sometimes it's a struggle. He's more on the Mets side, I guess, than the Yankees side. But, like, it's just – I just want to see a little bit more out of him before I commit to anything. Um, that being said, I'm sure Cashman, like, if he's going to give him a deal, if he's something insane, like, you know, uh, like paying into, like, his age, like, 42 season because he's this guy like he did with Aaron Hicks. But um, I'd like to see Harrison Bader back. But before I can put a price tag on it, I really got to see what he can do for a full season. Four years, $28 million. I'll answer for John. I would offer him four years and $28 million today to be the starting center fielder. I think he's shown just from what he's done. He did last postseason. He showed that he, he can handle that New York pressure. I don't think that's a flash in the pan. He was the only Yankee that hit the entire postseason, And um, he showed that he's a man playing with mice uh, in, in that, Yankee clubhouse so I mean I think he's he's 28 years old so yeah sign him till he's 32 his defense isn't going to slip and even if his offense is crap which I don't expect it to be even if his offense is crap uh someone who can play defense like that playing center field is definitely worth seven million seven million a year for four years uh Derek you're the numbers guy what are your thoughts on this uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Bader's really weird because I don't, I don't know what his offensive numbers are going to look at Yankee, look like at Yankee Stadium over the course of a full year one, and like we know their defense is elite, and like we see guys like Kiermaier get like around ten million every off season, so like, but I feel like does, but because he's a defense first guy, does that limit his ability to get a long term deal and only signs like a two year deal? I don't really know, right? If I'm the Yankees, I'm looking at a two-year deal with, an, with a mutual option on a third year, but maybe a little higher AAV than Luke said, maybe, you know, 10, 12 million a year. Um, and I think Bader would be worth it, especially with his defense. I just don't know if I'd want to go four years on him because if that defense starts to drop, um, the like, it's not like the bat's bad, but the defense is the real, the defense and the speed is the real carrying tools for Bader. Why would the defense drop though? Unless he has a horrible injury, why would the defense drop? I don't know. Maybe just get slow, slows down a little bit. And I don't mean drop like it's going to fall off a cliff, but I mean like it goes from elite to just under elite, right? And then, you know, maybe on that, like, and then you can start looking at, oh, it's a little bit on a decline maybe. And then maybe it starts, you know, he's looking past that, you know, third year of. That fourth year, maybe the defense drops a little bit more. So it's that little thing of just giving yourself security. And if Bader's still doing well, you can extend him again after those two or three years. And I wanted to ask John what he thought about about how Jason Dominguez fits into all this. Because I know he's an outfielder. I don't know if he's a center fielder, if he's a corner outfielder. And if he could slot, would he be playing left and Judge be playing right and Bader be playing center? Could you have your outfield for the next five years all set if you lock in Bader for three, four years? Yeah, I mean, uh, Derek did a great video on Jason Dominguez. Uh, If you check out our YouTube channel, you can look that up. Uh, Dominguez is, you know, potentially a center fielder. Uh, Like, that's what he's projected at. You know, obviously – if they needed him to at a young age, he could always switch to left. Um, you know, I think you could pretty much, like you said, you could have your whole outfield locked up. 
And that, but that's just assuming the Yankees don't screw up Jason Dominguez. Like, are they going to bounce him back and forth between the minors? Are they going to make him wait too long to bring him up? Are, you know, are they going to think about trading him and then find out he has no trade value? Like, I don't know. I don't have a ton of faith in the Yankees developing prospects right now. Um, even though I yelled at Pat about that a few minutes ago, but <laughs> yeah, I was about to say like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Jason Dominguez do well, but I, I just don't have a ton of faith in the Yankees at the moment to do right by him. I don't like him because he spells Jason with two S's. So his parents are obviously fools. So how smart could he possibly be? Can he really – does he have the intelligence to play center field in the major leagues if he's the product of parents who think Jason is spelled with two S's? Who, who do you think he was named after? Jason Veritek, because they spelled it wrong. Does anybody else want to take a guess on this? All right, Jason Giambi. So Luke might have a point there. (laughs) (laughs) They spelled it wrong. (laughs) And they spelled Giambi with a J. His middle name is Giambi with a J. (laughs) Apparently, according to Baseball Reference, his um, nickname is The Martian. And that's pretty dope. So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. His because the reason why they nicknamed the Martian actually is because they're like, yeah, his his like raw tools are like uh, literally otherworldly. So like, yeah, we're gonna name you uh the Martian, but in Spanish. All right, cool. I like it. Um, let's talk a little Alex Verdugo. Um, this guy has been the um, uh, I don't even know how to put it. We end up talking about Alex Verdugo all the time. <laughs> is he overrated? Is he underrated? What is he worth? Is he hurt? Is he fine? Is he going to bat leadoff? Is he going to bat seventh? I mean, is he going to pitch? Like, I mean, he, for some reason, like, he's just always got <laughs> something going on. And um, his brother's always tweeting stuff. Whatever. Anyway, um, Doogie said the other day uh, he wants to stay in Boston. He wants an extension. Um, don't we all? Um, and, uh, so the question, same thing, what are you going to, what are you going to give Alex Verdugo? What is he worth? Do you want him around, you know, um, for a while? Um, are you going to make him a two-way player? Uh, Derek, I'll start with you. Um, your thoughts on, uh, some of the inside the numbers on Alex Verdugo. Uh, I love Doogie. I think we kind of know this at this point. Um, I actually tweeted this out too, when the Verdugo news broke out, I want him to stay. And I think he's somewhat comparable to Andrew Benintendi in a sense. I think Verdugo can be better than Benintendi. I think Verdugo can lead the league in doubles, hit 50 doubles, and give yourself a solid, you know, 15 homers and hit 300 at his absolute best. And now I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm saying like at his absolute best, I believe he could do that if he stayed at his absolute best for a whole season. Start looking at the Benintendi deal, looking at Verdugo is kind of close to free agency. I've said I'd be willing to give him a six or seven year deal. I I kind of settled on the seven one hundred mark because Ben Tendi's five seventy five, and then you add another year. Uh, and Verdugo's two years younger than Ben Tendi, so Ben Tendi got five seven would make sense. So I figure around the six ninety range, um, or the seven one hundred or somewhere around there. Those are just kind of estimates I've thrown out. I'd be willing to do that. Maybe it's just because I like them. Whenever I play them, will be the show. Start a franchise with the Red Sox. First thing I do is go to contract extensions and lock them up long-term. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I love Doogie, and I think he can still get better. And I think at absolute worst, he was what he was the second half of last year, which was still really good. 
Luke, you went, uh, you were muted, but you went, wow. Okay. When mm -hmm. Derek said that number. So I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I think that's a, that's nuts. Like saying you commit six years to Verdugo and like you just said at worst, he is, he'll be the player he was in the second half of last season, which is that's the best he's ever been was in the second half of last season. So I don't, I mean, I would love if that's the case, if he has just turned into that player, but his first half of 2021 was a lot like that too. And then the second half of 2021, he, he really did not do that well. Um, it, at least comparably speaking to the, to the first half. So I, I, I like what he can do with the bat. I like that he is trying to focus on going to the opposite field. I, especially with the, the shift ban now, I think that'll probably help him. Um, so I like his approach at the plate, but I don't like anything else that he does. I hate the way he runs the bases. I detest the way he plays the outfield. I feel like he's, I, I call them doogies. He, he makes one doogie a week in the field. I feel like, which is one stupid, stupid mistake. It might not necessarily be an error, but he misplays a ball throws to the wrong base, you know, has a horrible read on a ball. He, he ended, he, he unofficially ended the 2021 ALCS because he, he didn't take a lead when he was told to steal a base in a game in a game six. Um, and he just got thrown up. Martin Maldonado gunned him down because he didn't take a lead when he was trying to steal a base. Um, so, yeah, the most I would give him now is four years and $32 million. And I think that's actually pretty generous. I, 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 I'm actually thinking more like three years and $24 million, But, you know, I'd go four years and twenty and uh, $32 million, um, just because I like I feel like he's a, he, he could, he's a probably a good clubhouse guy. He's a good effort guy. Um, and I feel like he's a hard worker and he will get better. Um, but I just don't think, I don't think he's at that level where he's a guy where you think this is a guy I want on my team for the next five years or whatever. I, he is still, and until he makes, he needs to make a jump this year in my book to, for him to, become a guy where I'm thinking, all right, he's a guy that I want on my team right now. He's still in that tier of like, yeah, he's pretty good. And I don't mind him being on the team, but he's not, you know, he's far, far from irreplaceable right now. John, speaking of uh, muted reactions, um, when I said, is he overrated? You nodded your head. Um, so of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, so first off, like, as far as banning the shift, helping Verdugo, I mean, when he's hitting the, well, I guess if he's hitting the ball the other way in Fenway, I mean, like, that's going to be a hit anyway. Like, because our good friend Joe Asanio said, like, that wall, Green Monster's right there. Uh, but I think I forgot. He's a lefty, not a righty. So, um, the banning the shift thing, forget it. That's not a good point. The point was, uh, I mean, he pretty Heim Bloom pretty much has to resign Alex Verdugo. You know, like he's the only guy left from that Mookie Betts trade. If Heim Bloom lets it, Alex Verdugo walk as a free agent, then now no, you have not. nothing. And he looks absolutely horrible, and he's going to get crushed by the fans even more. And I, if you guys can shake your heads all, all you want, I'd love to hear Joey's 
Okay, we shook our heads because you said something that was factually not true. He's That's not all. the only guy left from the the Mookie Betts trade. They got rid of Jeter Downs. Yeah, but they still have Connor Wong. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. The minor league third string catcher. Oh, right. He that is guy. the. Yeah. He is okay. the. He's on okay, the major okay, league okay, team okay. this year. I'm talking about people that are actually going to contribute at a major league level or expected to contribute at a major league level. That would be Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs, and I mean. And Verdugo's the only guy left. Like, Bloom has to keep him. Otherwise, like, this trade looks even worse than it already does. And I just really, really hope that Verdugo's agent is Scott Boris, so he makes this as painful for Bloom as he has to. Connor Wong is on the team this year. He's going to be one of the two catchers on the team this year. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful, the backup catcher, yes. That's, I, trading Mookie Betts for a backup catcher you're right. Like I, that's crazy for me to think that's a bad deal. One year of Mookie bets when the team had to let him go. Cause the last GM shredded the entire organization. Pat, uh, cut it off now. Before uh, we cutting it off right now. I cut myself um, off. Let that be. Right. <laughs> We've got to uh, transition now to um, a segment that they've been doing our final segment of the show. One that they've been doing on the midweek show for a while now. Fair or foul, okay? It's a yes or no. It's a true or false, right? But it's kitschy because it's a baseball thing, okay? Fair or foul, I'm going to give these guys um, a couple of statements, and we're going to kind of um, quickly go through the rotation. I want everybody to tell me um, if what I just said was fair or foul, okay? We are going to start with the pitch clock, okay? And Luke just walked away, um, but... He'll, he'll catch up. He's here. All right. The pitch clock, right? Uh, Red Sox first spring training game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, 3-2 pitch. Final pitch is not thrown because of a pitch clock violation by the batter. Strikeout, game over because we don't do extra innings in spring training. So in the very first day of spring training, we have what many have already called a clock off. Okay. Um, a game ending um, by a pitch clock violation. So, I mean, that's about as cartoony as you can get. Basis loaded, bottom of the ninth, three, two. I mean, like it couldn't have, you, you can't write it up any other way. So my, my fair or foul, the pitch clock, fair or foul. Uh, how do we feel about it so far? Two days into spring training. Luke, I know you have some thoughts that cut you up earlier. So I'll let you go first. It's, it's the, it's fair. It's the pitch clock is a good thing for the game. So this is how it's the same thing, the way it works in the NFL. They make a rule change. Oh, all right. We're going to enforce the, the pass interference a lot more tighter, or we're going to really, we're going to really call offensive pass interference this year. So what's that going to look like? So the preseason is the trial run for that. So they, they call it really, really, really strictly, really enforce that uh, tightly, like, you know, like speeding in a school zone. Like we're really going to call that really to the letter of the law during the preseason. So all these players get it ingrained in their heads. The pitchers understand you have to throw the pitch within the, the limitation or else you're going to get a ball uh, called on you. The hitters, you need to be in the box and looking at the pitcher within eight seconds or else you're going to get an, an automatic strike called on you. And then by the time the season starts, I guarantee it's going to be a lot looser. It's going to be more like, hey, it's eight seconds. Look, look up, look up. It's not just going to be like strike. 
it's but but that's how you get this in people's heads at the beginning uh when the games don't count so you get so you get people thinking that way look it's not like it's been uh, your entire career you got to get in the box you got to get on the rubber and you got to keep the game moving this is what it's going to look like so it's it's going to look like once the regular season starts it's just going to look like every game is a game that chris sale starts which is good that's what people want it's just going to be a lot less wasting time which is what people want to see so it's a very good thing for the game i'm even more excited by it after seeing that because i'm seeing clock violations ending games you know in games that don't count who cares you know it so people so this is what these games are going to look like. It's going to be pitchers are going to have to be in way better shape. They're going to have to keep, they're going to have to have better endurance. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be more interesting. John, what are your thoughts? Pitch clock, fair or foul? A foul. I'm not really a fan of it. I enjoy the pace of baseball for the Yankees. We have David Cohn, Michael Kay, Paul O'Neill. These guys are a pleasure to listen to. Just great insight, stories about the game. Uh, I just, it, you institute the pitch clock, it's going to take away from that. So it's going to be one, like, pitch, pitch, pitch. Um, I enjoy the watching the replays. I enjoy the different angles. Like, all this stuff is going to have to change now. I, and it's, for me, it's, I'm old school, I guess. I, I am not really going to be, I don't think I'm going to be a fan of it. I have not had a chance to watch the spring training game yet. When I do, I'm not, don't think I'm going to be a fan of it just because, I like the whole experience in watching a game. So a foul. Uh, Derek, fair foul pitch clock. I think it's fair. Um, you you see videos of like in of past seasons where like there's a bat that to throw two pitches, it takes like two and a half minutes just to throw two pitches. And I understand, especially late innings and ninth inning, it's like I understand the leverage of it, but it's also too, it's like the the goal isn't to speed up the game just to speed up the game. The, the goal is to speed up the pace of play because they want to get the younger generation to not lose their attention span after one batter, right? Because now I'll watch a baseball game regardless. However, I will admit, you know, game starts at 7 and you're not leaving the stadium until 1130 and then you're someone like me who, with me and my grandfather, we have to drive two hours home it's like, ay, 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 this game started at 7 and it didn't end until like 7.30 and now two-hour drive home. It's like, and it was a two-hour drive there. Like, that, that's your whole day taken away. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I mean, but also too in terms of getting people to go to the games, hopefully, especially in some maybe smaller markets maybe or that, I don't know, or maybe younger markets. Um, and also too just people now, they look at the highlights. They want to see the highlights and hopefully you'll see more balls in play this year as a whole um i know there are some injury concerns with the pitch clock but one of the points i saw someone make on social media was the pitchers can't throw 100 percent every pitch because if you throw 100 percent every pitch you're, you're not gonna be ready after only 15 seconds to throw 100 percent again the next pitch so maybe you pull it back to 90 percent on every pitch right and maybe that helps stop injuries i think there was actually less injuries in triple a last year with the pitch clock so i think it's fair i understand why they're doing it I actually enjoy the pace of it, especially when you see a pitcher getting in that groove that is like a guy like a Max Scherzer and he's getting in that groove and he's going and there's nothing the hitter can do about it. And you just see him mowing down guys. I like seeing that. Yeah. I'm going to say fair. Um, I, I've, I've been for, for a while. 
Um, saw some minor league games last year where it was used. And um, not only do you not really notice, the only reason why people notice right now is because um, it's the new thing and it's what everybody wants to talk about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something to, to fuel conversation and, and clicks and engagement and stuff. I think people are going to forget about it after a while. Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody hated the shot clock in basketball um, when it was first instituted and it's made that a way better game. Um, this is just getting baseball back to what it was. I mean, we're looking at um, average game length from like the nineties. Um, it's just gotten slower and slower ever since then, basically. And, you know, we're trying to get it back a little bit, reel it back in. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes it seems a little fast, but that's just because you're watching it. That's because you're looking for it. Um, I think you're going to get used to it after a while. And I think that it will be um, a, a good thing for the game in the end. Back into the eighties games took two and a half hours anyway. And that's what we're going to yeah. be looking for. We're shaving about 20 to 30 minutes off of the average exactly. uh, game time. And it was, <laughs> it was so funny. I just want to say um, I watched a little bit of the Red Sox spring training game today against the Rays and uh, Masataka Yoshida got, Thank you. I was about for- to bring that up. Oh, okay. You can, you can bring no, no, it up. Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> he, he got- basically what happened was that, um, you know, they were saying, uh, um, uh, names are escaping me, Monaco and um, Maloney. Um, Maloney. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're saying he had no idea that that was called on him. He walked into the box. Oh, one. He had no idea when in fact, immediately after the first pitch was thrown, he turned to the umpire and went to, Okay, like he knew right away they were like, oh, you know, he's still working on his English. He had no idea that he was already down 0-1. He totally knew. I mean, they were just making stuff up. They were just making it up. And like that kind of um, that kind of narrative is going to, you know, hurt the 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 truth of the matter, I think. Yeah, it was he had he took a he took a he took a strike and then I think he stepped out and. Then the umpire just the the previous day, the umpire like kind of walked out, walked out and stepped in front of the hitter, held the the number of fingers up in his face and, you know, kind of called timeout said strike. That is a strike. That is a violation strike. And the, and today it was like, Hey, all right, strike. He just stayed where he was held up a hand and, uh, Yoshida didn't even look back and yeah and Monaco and Merloni he got he struck out on two pitches because that Monaco and Merloni were saying he didn't even know he didn't know it was strike three but they were like he didn't even know immediately after he took that second pitch he went straight to the dugout yes. like, he, didn't... <laughs> he went he did not even hesitate after that second Uh-oh. strike cross he walked right to the to the to the dugout like oh okay yeah. maybe he did know yeah they, they, to the replay they were like oh well um never mind uh <laughs> Anyway, that kind of crap is going to, is I'm sure it's going to bother me for a while. Um, okay, next one. Fair or foul, okay? Weekday show, uh, we're talking about overachievers, underachievers, and Barnes is going to get this uh, fair or foul thrown back at him. He's been, he's been hitting everybody with him over the past couple of weeks, and I've got one coming at him. He's talking about the Baltimore Orioles. And he says, and I quote, they are what the Red Sox hope to be one day. Heim Bloom's secret plan is to be Baltimore. John, fair or foul? Oh, completely fair. Like, <laughs> best case scenario, the Red Sox are what the Orioles were last year, like almost making the playoffs. Yeah, like 
Time Bloom, if Time Bloom could put together a team that's that good, I mean, maybe he deserves some of the praise that Luke's constantly heaping on him. Luke Fairfowl. It's, it's, well, it's foul, but I mean, the idea is some, yeah, they want to be a team that builds from within that doesn't make, feel like they need to make big moves and sign big name free agents and trade for big name players and gut their farm system for big name players. Uh, but I mean, no, it's foul. They're not looking to be a, a team. They're not looking to take after a team that they finished fourth place in the division and everyone in their city is throwing parties being like, woohoo, we did it. We did it. We finished out of the cellar. Like, no, but I mean, yeah, they're trying to build their team. They're trying to draft uh, really good players and bring up really good players for, through their farm system, just like every team would love to do uh, if they had the capability to do it. Um, so I will say, well, there's a grain of truth to it. It's foul. Barnes is just stirring it, stirring it up. Derek, uh, Boston wants to be Baltimore fair or foul. This is like when the umpire calls a foul ball after you swing and miss. Like, this is so far foul because the thing is, you they don't want to be like, like the Orioles. They don't want to finish 47 and 115 or 48 and 15, or whatever the record was in 2018. They don't want to be, they're not going for a full rebuild. They're essentially, yeah, the Rays comparisons there. They're kind of trying to do what the Rays are doing, where you put a team together and hope to be good. And worst case scenario, you're about average, maybe a move pieces at the deadline, but you're really, you know, but you still have talent, right? Um, they're kind of what the Rays were a few years ago in that point right now. And we see what the Rays have gotten to now where the Rays have a lot of talent and a lot of underrated talent. I think the Red Sox, so they're trying to, they're like, it's almost like taking things from everything that's been good from teams. You take a little bit from the Rays where Heim's coming from. You get a little bit, they saw, they took a, a guy from Milwaukee and brought him into their front office. Take a little bit from what Milwaukee's doing. Take a little bit of inspiration from what Houston's doing. Take a little bit of inspiration from what the Dodgers are doing as Heim has the Andrew Friedman connection. You know, it's not a one-for-one -one comparison with anyone, right, with any team. I don't think anything could be a one-for-one -one comparison. Um, but I don't think they're like the Orioles. The Orioles have gone full-blown rebuild, and good for them. They needed to, I thought, arguably – like their rebuild could have gone quicker had they pulled the trigger on their rebuild when they should have, instead of waiting a little bit longer. Um, but the Red Sox aren't going full blown rebuild. It's more like a retool and also waiting for uh, the next group of prospects to really start getting up to the high minor minors like Meyer, York, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I heard this, I was walking the dog uh, the other day. I was listening to the midweek show and I, this is what made me go, we have to do fair or foul on Sunday because Barnes, this is insane, okay? Boston wants to be Baltimore. Before last year, by the way, a team that won five more games than the Red Sox did, okay? Before last year, the last three full seasons, to Derek's point, were 47 and 115, 54 and 108, and 52 and 110, okay? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody's trying to do that. That's a terrible idea. No, listen, it works, okay? Houston did it. Mike Elias was there when they did it in Houston, right? He's doing it again in Baltimore. You suck forever, okay? And then you, you, um, you wait. You just wait forever, 
Okay. And it, it works, right? Don't get me wrong. I, I, I live in Baltimore, as we know, and I like watching this team. They're fun and exciting. We have lots of guys coming up. Okay. But it's, it, it is disrespectful to your fan base. It is a financial disaster when nobody comes to these games. Okay. I mean, this is Baltimore is the 27th, 26th biggest market in major league baseball okay, out of 30 teams, right? Like, I mean, this is a team that like, Basically doesn't care. The owner said last week, the owner of the team, the guy who signs the checks says, my priorities are number one, bringing concerts to Camden Yards. Number two, working with the city and the state and getting a long-term lease signed at Camden Yards. And number three, the team in that order. He said that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so like, that the fact that anybody would want to be that, yes, I get what Luke is saying about minor league talent, but nobody's trying to suck for years and years and years. You're trying to do both. You're trying to be competitive while building. That is the secret plan. In a yeah, fan, can I also, can I also, can so I also in, say this real quick though? It's I've got to give the Orioles credit on what they're doing because not every long-term rebuild pays off. We're seeing it now with a team like the Pirates, and now they might have to trade Brian Reynolds, and that's a kind of like a hit to their long-term rebuild. The A's are kind of starting a long-term rebuild. We don't know how that's going to turn out. It doesn't work out for every team. So at least I'll give the Orioles credit there where they've brought in the talent and developed the talent. But it's – well, first of all, it it's worked out for them to the tune of getting to fourth place in the division. And so that's how much has worked out – in a great division sure but but you're talking about yeah they want to be the orioles they want to they want to take that approach in a city where the fan base they they want to they want to fire the gm one season after they came two games from making the world series like as if that would not be a complete disaster yeah let's suck for four years uh because uh, yeah, that'll work out. The fans will understand. No, they won't because the, the Red Sox just went to the ALCS in 2021. They had a horrible 2022 with where they had an ungodly amount of injuries and fans blame the GM for all of those injuries. So and that, that horrible season, which happened because of all those injuries. So absolutely not. That is so not the idea here. They are trying to do they're trying to rebuild while still competing, which is incredibly hard to do. All right. The last one. Uh, The other day I'm scrolling on Facebook and this guy I went to high school with post this picture. It's a guy. Oh, you can't see it. It's a guy. He's holding up a sign. Okay. And the sign says pickles don't belong on chicken sandwiches. Fair or foul, John? Pickles don't belong on chicken sandwiches. Which is the answer? Just to be clear, that pickles do belong on. That would be foul. That is foul because pickles on chicken sandwiches are for real. Uh, Spicy chicken sandwich with some pickles on it is absolutely excellent. That guy's an idiot, and that guy who doesn't think pickles belong on chicken sandwiches. That idiot probably eats pineapple pineapple on pizza, so he's wrong. Derek, pickles don't belong on chicken sandwiches, fair or foul? I'll say fair only for the reason I hate vegetables of all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can t- list any ve- list any vegetable. <laughs> it's it's no. 
vegetable on pizza. No, get all that stuff off my food, off my plate, leave it away from me. And I'll eat, I'll maybe eat vegetables when I have to. <laughs> Keep them off the stuff I like. Oh Douse them in chocolate milk. <laughs> Douse the pickles in chocolate milk. <laughs> dunk, the ch- dunk the chicken sandwich in chocolate milk. Maybe I'll try that next time. <laughs> would you, Derek, would you eat fried pickles? Like, would you eat vegetables? Oh, fried, true. Fried pickles. I've fried tried it, but I don't, I don't really like it. Also, too, so growing good, up, dude. I had like sensory issues with my mouth. So anything like texture, a lot of things texture wise don't work for me either. All right, I'll give it's you It's not that. even taste. I'll give fried, you that. It's like I hate pickles are, it feels. Fried pickles are great. I'm not a big pickle guy, um, but uh, on a chicken... You got that right. (laughs) What? (laughs) That took me a minute. That took me a minute to get. That was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was good. Walked right into that one. Um, but, um, you know, pickles on burgers I can do. Pickles on chicken sandwiches I can do. So I'll, so I'll say, all right, so the guy said pickles don't belong on chicken sandwiches. So that, so I'll say it's, it's foul. Um, it's, uh, you know, they're good. The, the, Pope, the, the Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich uh, in particular. Uh, put pickles on that. That's still really good. Yeah, I'm going to say foul myself because not only do pickles belong on chicken sandwiches, I do. Oh, John, I finally get it. Thank you for explaining it to me in the chat. You know, the kind of jokes that 12-year-olds make. Um, uh, Not only do I like pickles on chicken sandwiches, I ask for extra pickles at Chick-fil-A, okay? I love pickles on chicken sandwiches. So that was nonsense. So between that and Barnes, I was like, we have to do a fair or foul segment this week. I have one more fair or foul. Joey will show up to every show this season. Fair or foul. <laughs> foul. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> I'm setting. Yeah, I'll say I'll say I'll say fair. I'm shooting. I'm shooting for the stars here. I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. So we're not we're not counting last week. What are we, are we starting this week? I mean, how are, we? <laughs> are we starting in the regular season? Opening the regular day. season. What's the numbers? What's the numbers on Joey being late to the our pendulum recording? Oh my! <laughs> I would say they're I would say they're fifty fifty. <laughs> Fair foul on that. All right, guys. Uh, that's uh, that's all we got. Okay. Um, lots of fun stuff going on everywhere we do stuff. Uh, the YouTube channel. We're posting videos every day. We're in the midst of our forty videos in forty days uh, leading up to opening day thing, which is really exciting. Um, we have, um, lots of fun stuff happening on the website, which is where a lot of our podcast conversations spark from our different columns and calling each other out and stuff. Um, Luke does some Yankee stuff. Uh, John and Barnes do, excuse me, Luke does some Red Sox stuff. John and Barnes do some Yankee stuff. Derek hasn't been there in a long time because he's been worried about YouTube, but he's coming back soon. Um, I wrote a thing about, uh, boxing movies last week. Um, so we've got some, some great stuff on the site. Um, best place to find us is on Twitter, social media wise, we have been up the TikTok game. All right. That's right. These four guys, TikTok. Okay. So you can expect some big things there. Watch Southpaw. I just watched, I just watched that after reading, mm-hmm. uh, Pat's column on, uh, five boxing movies, it's just like the different boxing movies that represent different, uh, movie genres and Southpaw is really good. Jake Gyllenhaal is a really really good actor that uh i don't think people really give that kind of credit to yet that is a good one thank you thank you for that yeah i'm, I'm glad that you watched it and um yeah undeniable creed three coming out this week i've seen it early and uh, that's dope too so uh 
um, use this as your your um, getting ready for Creed um, supplement. Um, I think that's about all we got. Uh, midweek show coming out later this week. Lots of fun stuff. So uh, we're gonna call it there. My name is Patrick for John for Derek for Luke. That's all we have, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. John hates Bernie Williams. Tristan Cass is sunbathing. <laughs> Luke is not a big pickle guy. Ruptured testicles, chocolate <laughs> milk. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on bleacherbrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.